Lin-Manuel Miranda's musical, In the Heights, it tells the story of residents of Washington Heights in New York City over the course of a few days in the heat of summer. And we meet a variety of characters, all with unique personalities, struggles, and experiences. From Usnavi, who owns the bodega and is longing to return to his native Dominican Republic, to Nina, who was the first person in her family to attend college, home for her, from her first year at Stanford. The glue, however, that holds the community together is Abuela Claudia. When she was a child in the 1940s, she moved to New York with her mother from Cuba. Her mom worked tirelessly her whole life cleaning homes and offices, and their life was never easy. Claudia never had children, but as Usnavi says, she adopted the entire block as her own. She is a caretaker, a woman of deep faith, and she is an observer. She sees everything, and it gives her an ability to uniquely encourage and, when necessary, challenge the people on her block. In the second act of the show, Usnavi sings about her. He says, Abuela Claudia had simple pleasures. She sang the praises of things we ignore. Glass Coke bottles, breadcrumbs, a sky full of stars. She cherished these things. She'd say alabanza. Alabanza means to raise this thing to God's face and to sing quite literally praise to this. That is how I like to think about Thanksgiving to take hold of something that gives our lives meaning or joy or beauty and to lift it up to, God, uh, to God's face, to the God who created it, and say, yes, thank you for this thing. It doesn't have to be big. It doesn't have to carry much value except to us. And when we find those things in our lives, whatever they are, what else can we do but hold them up to God and say, thanks. It is also a fairly similar image to the one given us in our psalm this morning. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth, writes the psalmist. Enter God's gates with thanksgiving. Lift your voices in gratitude to your creator. Praise God for the steadfast love that endures forever. There is something free about this psalm, isn't there? You can imagine bursting through the gates, entering the courts with singing and dancing, and it feels, well, for one, kind of inappropriate. Um, the imagery of courts and gates implies something sort of stately, and this language of lordships suggests to me, at least, that there should be, you know, some restrained, genuflecting, and polite conversation. But this psalm, it calls for something almost uninhibited, it is a call to action or to particular behavior, yes, but it is one that frees us to be exuberant, to be noisy, an invitation to freely express ourselves loudly. It calls to mind for me the image of King David barely clothed, dancing through the streets of the city when the Ark of the Covenant was finally returned to the people of Israel. His behavior was so shocking to his wife that she reprimanded him for bringing shame upon himself and upon her. She called him shameless and vulgar, to which David replied, I will celebrate the Lord. If it is in praise, 
to God who called and claimed me, then I'll become even more undignified than this. Sometimes you just have to shout, sing, dance. Sometimes we are so filled with gratitude or awe or wonder that all we can do is lift our voices and move our bodies. Now, I'm sure that this sounds familiar. We talked about praise last week, about singing, about lifting our voices to God. Pastor Katie and I did have a brief moment after the service last Sunday of, oh, maybe we shouldn't have done praise and thanksgiving back to back. I mean, they really aren't all that different. Even this psalm that I chose to preach on has both praise and thanksgiving in its five short verses. They aren't that different because I think they go hand in hand. They are like different sides of the same coin, the melody and the harmony of the same song. Praise is lifting our voices to God for God's sake, to honor, to worship, to pay homage to God. And of course, one of the reasons we praise God is to say thank you for all of these many good and gracious gifts we have been given like David dancing through the streets praising God. David was overflowing with gratitude to God for returning the ark, for claiming the people of Israel, for calling David to be king. Praise can be a result of thanksgiving. But I think that there is a difference between saying thank you in a moment of praise and an attitude of or an orientation towards thanksgiving like Abuela Claudia, who saw joy and beauty in all of the places of her life, so much so that she had to respond, had to say alabanza, do we open our eyes, our hearts, to experience the world through a grateful lens? How often do we slog through the world without saying uh, thank you, without thanksgiving or gratitude? I mean, it's easy to say thank you. I think that Many, if not all of us, were raised by folks who taught us manners. We say thank you to the server for refilling our water. We give an appreciative head nod or a wave when someone lets us merge into traffic. We say or sing grace before a meal. Uh, We write and send thank you notes in an appropriate time frame. Right, Mom? (laughs) Saying thank you, it isn't hard. But I don't think it's the same thing as actively leaning into gratitude. It's about attuning ourselves to the world around us in a way that acknowledges that everything is a gift, that it can all be beautiful and bright and wonderful. Gratitude asks us to be attentive, to be a keen observer. So I suppose the question is then, what ought we be thankful for? What is it that we're looking for? If we look at this this morning's psalm for guidance, there seem to be some, some pretty big reasons for thanksgiving. The first is that we belong to God. God made us. We are sheep in God's pasture. And that's kind of a lovely place to be. It gives us both a clarity of identity, and a clarity of who is in charge. We belong to the one who created us. And we know, as the psalm tells us, that the one to whom we belong is good and full of an everlasting, steadfast love. So we are not our own, and we are called to follow, like sheep, the way of the shepherd, 
There is a hierarchy, yes, but we are in the hands of a God who knows and cares for us. And that feels like a good reason to be grateful. In Psalm 100, it calls us to that, calls us to shout out with thanksgiving. But this psalm, it offers both sort of macro communal reasons for thanksgiving and also something personal and intimate. Because it is about our createdness, about who we were made to be, it isn't just about the big picture, which means that gratitude and thanksgiving do not and cannot stop at the macro level, which means, of course, that we have to look closer, look a little harder. And I think that children are better at it than we are as adults. A friend tells this story of being on a hike with his son Henry when Henry was about two, Walking through the woods on a November morning, they came upon this ridge, and from the ridge you could look down into the valley and see this cold haze clinging to the forest floor. And John was trying to get his oblivious son to appreciate the landscape, so he picks Henry up and points out to the horizon and says, "Ah, oh, just look at that, Henry. To which Henry said, weef, what? Weef, he said again, and then reached out and grabbed a single brown oak leaf from a tree that was next to them. Now, John wanted to explain to his son that you could find a brown oak leaf in any forest in the eastern United States in November, so it isn't actually that interesting, but instead he watched his boy look at the leaf, and then he began to look at the leaf more closely himself. And it wasn't just a brown leaf, you see. Its veins spidered out red and orange and yellow in a pattern that was too complex for his brain to comprehend. The more he looked at the leaf with his son, the more he found himself, as F. Scott Fitzgerald would say, face to face with something commensurate to his capacity for wonder. I can imagine Henry taking his simple brown leaf full of beauty and complexity and raising it to God's face and simply saying, thank you. And in so doing, inviting his dad into a new place of gratitude and appreciation for the world around him. Thanksgiving is not the act of maturity or even great wisdom or skill. This is not some sort of deep spiritual practice. It requires only, as we've said before, attention. It simply asks us to observe and respond, to see, to really see the life-giving, beautiful, amazing things in our lives, and then to lift them up to God's face in thanksgiving. Simplicity does not mean, however, that one, gratitude is easy or comes all that naturally, or two, that it is not powerful. It is something that requires us to be intentional, we cannot be grateful for the world simply by existing in it. It is, in fact, a practice. But the practice of thanksgiving has the potential to reframe our lives, to create a new lens or attitude from which we can approach everything. It helps us make meaning. It helps us feel satisfaction with what we have rather than a restlessness for what we wish we had. It helps us slow down. It helps us appreciate one another, particularly for those moments when we drive each other bonkers. It helps us grow our capacity for wonder. It offers us joy. 
And that is where this psalm and thanksgiving itself leads us, isn't it? Into a space of joy. Gratitude is a practice, and in practicing gratitude, we experience joy. Sociologist, professor, and author Brene Brown discovered over her years of research that grateful people are joyful, not the other way around. She had sort of expected that people who are joyful would have had plenty of reason to be grateful, but instead she found that everyone who practiced gratitude was deeply joyful. A tangible, intentional practice of thanksgiving invited joy into their lives. It makes sense, I think, to see how naturally joy flows out of that kind of gratitude. If you look at the world, really look at it, take active steps to see beauty and goodness and life, then feel gratitude deeply in your heart and express it out loud, of course joy is a result. I cannot imagine that King David didn't feel joy as he danced through the streets, or that Abuela Claudia did not feel joy as she sang Alabanza about the stars, or that even little Henry wasn't joyful as he shared his weef with his dad. Thanksgiving invites joy, and joy is sustaining. I think that's why this psalm feels so free to me, because it is a joy-filled expression of a practiced thanksgiving. When my friend Corey was dating her now husband, Ben, we knew that it was serious when she offered to pick him up at Dulles after a business trip. And it, it wasn't just that she was willing to pick him up at the airport, but that she really wanted to make it special because, you know, she missed him and she was kind of in love and she wanted people to know. She wanted Ben particularly to know. So she loaded a bunch of balloons into her trunk and of course, Dulles was jammed and she had to fight to find a place to pull over in the arrivals area. And when she got a spot, she jumped out rushing to grab the balloons before Ben came outside and other drivers started to give Corey some attention, but she ignored them, and she, she's got her balloons, she's waiting, and the cars, likely looking for a spot as well, are starting to get a, just like a little bit more aggressive. But then Ben was there, and she has this lovely, joyful reunion, and she's happy, and they're trying to get the balloons back in the trunk, and a car really starts laying on the horn. Finally, fed up with other people spoiling her moment, Corey whips around and screams at the driver, where is your joy? That line went on to become the hashtag for Corey and Ben's wedding. Well, it's the hashtag I used at Corey and Ben's wedding. I tell that story because the reality is that Thanksgiving, that our Thanksgiving and our joy is our own. And yes, we can invite people into a life framed by thanksgiving and filled with joy, but we cannot force people <laughs> into that space with us. To me, there are few things more cringy than telling someone in the midst of a crisis to remember all of the things they have to be grateful for. I hate at-leasters. Well, at least you have a job. Well, at least they caught it early. Well, at least you have X, Y, Z reasons to be grateful, so don't complain and don't allow yourself to feel angry, disappointed, or heartbroken. Woof. This psalm and this sermon are not, they're not an admonishment to find joy in everything. I'm not suggesting that you put on 
rose-colored lenses when you look at your challenges, both personal and in the world around you. It is not an effort to insist on positivity. In the course of history, the church has often demanded thanksgiving, and that has created a culture that does not allow for anything but joy. But we needn't feel joy in every moment or feel grateful for our trials. It is neither genuine nor is it possible. I cannot tell you that you will find uh, gratitude in your obstacles, challenges, and losses. I also can't tell you not to. Your practice of thanksgiving, your joy is your own. Psalm 100 does not require us to always shout out to celebrate. And for the record, neither does God. We know this because we have the rest of the Psalter. We have lament and anger and calls for justice as well as joy and praise and gratitude all laid out for us in our biblical canon. Our seven weeks in the Psalms have taught us um, that all of our feelings are valid and that there is something for us no matter where we are. And for that, I am very grateful. But friends, the invitation is there. Psalm 100 is freeing and open. It is an invitation to do some intentional searching. Belonging to our Creator asks us to search for gratitude in big and small ways. It is my hope that you will try, just try, once a day to find something, whether it's the breath in your lungs or whatever you have for lunch or the gravity that keeps the world turning or the way the pillow feels under your head tonight when you go to sleep, that you will take hold of that thing, raise it to God's face, and sing praise for it. Hold it up to God, hold it in your heart, and say, thank you. And there, may you find joy. Amen.